How did you get coffee from the police? Uh, well, not the police. Someone someone has brought it for us, but the police won't let them in. So the police is now coming our little messengers between us. <laughs> I don't know. I have no idea what's going on. We're up, we're on the bridge. They're not letting anyone else come on, which makes no sense. Because if we're already That's on the bridge, that's what it sounded like Saturday in Toronto at an anti-Israel protest on the Highway 401 overpass at Avenue Road and Wilson. You've probably all seen the clip by now. It shows a couple of Toronto police officers doing what looks like delivering a takeout carton of Tim Hortons coffee and cups and accessories and food to a pro-Palestinian protester who had come to unfurl flags and chant from the river to the sea over the Canadian Highway overpass as they've been doing each weekend to protest Israel's war against Hamas that has devastated much of Gaza. The coffee video has prompted a lot of sarcasm and puns. One columnist called it double-double standards for policing protests, which have been going on for three months now, since October 7th, when Hamas terrorists slaughtered 1,200 Israelis and took 240 hostage and Israel launched a retaliatory war. But even though Toronto police later explained they were just trying to manage a dynamic situation and keep tension low, and the police chief, Myron Demkew, has since apologized for the impact of the coffee gesture and has ordered an immediate review, it still prompted anger in the Jewish community and from the politicians who represent the area who want assurances the police are doing everything they can to stop what they call lawlessness, intimidation and harassment. Do we want a city that's respectful, uh, that's law-abiding, where people can come here from all over the world and escape world conflict zones, raise their family in, in peace and security? Or do we want lawlessness, where people, people can go about and do whatever they want, uh, scream whenever they want, be as hateful as they, they please, and there are no consequences? I'm Ellen Besner, and this is what Jewish Canada sounds like for Monday, January the 8th, 2024. Welcome to the CJN Daily, a podcast of the Canadian Jewish News, and we're sponsored by Metropia. Toronto police have reported anti-Semitic hate crimes being at the highest in at least 10 years. With close to 300 protests going on in the streets since October 7th, Jewish businesses and cafes have been targeted, these overpass demonstrations, and swarmings of shopping malls and the railway station. And on Wednesday, a Jewish-owned delicatessen called the International Delicatessen Foods Grocery, or IDF, was set on fire and spray-painted with the words Free Palestine. Crime Stoppers has issued a $50,000 reward now for any information leading to the arrest of people who did it, But neighbours in the area of the main flashpoint, the overpass protest at Avenue Road and the 401, are fed up and feeling intimidated. And they want all levels of government to do something. We have several interviews today, including the Solicitor General, Michael Kersner, and City Councillor James Pasternak. But first, I want to bring in the CJN's news editor, Lila Sarek, to set the scene. She attended the overpass protest on the weekend. What did you see? Describe what it looked like when you went. I live in that neighbourhood. The road from the neighbourhood to get on down to Avenue Road was blocked off with police tape. When I first got there, there were um, Palestinian protesters on both sides of the bridge, which is a bridge that overlooks the 401. Underneath, there were lots and lots of people honking. On the bridge, there were 30, 40 perhaps, people waving Palestinian flags, playing loud music over a loudspeaker, setting off red smoke bombs. Um, 
And then, yeah, after probably about, after quite a while, um, and then there was a small group of people who live in the neighborhood who were gathered at the foot of the bridge watching to see what was going to happen. The cars were not allowed to go on the bridge, so you couldn't get out of our neighborhood by going on the bridge. It was all blocked off, so people would get there and they'd have to turn around and take a fairly lengthy detour. After a while, finally, the police got the protesters to move on to one side of the bridge, still overlooking the overpass, and uh, the cars were able to go through. I spoke to a number of people. This is not the first time. This has started happening before Christmas. Um, I spoke to a couple of people, and everyone in the neighborhood, I would say, is both fairly alarmed and really angry that this is happening. I spoke to one woman whose daughter was trying to get home, and the police actually had to drive her just across the bridge. They didn't drive her home, but they dressed to drive her across the bridge, an 18-year-old girl, because they were you know, worried for her safety. I spoke to another man who said, you know, he doesn't like his kid. There's a McDonald's. He's on the south side of the bridge. There's a McDonald's. He doesn't even want his kid to go to the McDonald's right now, just south of these protests. Um, So people are really alarmed. And they're also really furious that this is happening. They say it's an accident waiting to happen. If What happens if um, one of those flags falls onto the 401 and there are cars going 120 kilometers an hour? as well as the fact that our neighborhood is blocked off. If there is an emergency, how would a fire truck or an ambulance get through? They'd have to take this very long, circuitous way to get into the neighborhood. Um, okay, Lila, so you were at the protest on Saturday. You saw the, the latest iteration. You did not see the Tim Hortons coffee, take 12, you know, the big jugs that you can bring being delivered, but you were there at that same protest. What can you tell me about how the police engaged or their sort of relationship with the protesters? What did you see? Um, was it, uh, you know, riot gear and, and, and aggressive or was it more calm than that? I'm on the neighborhood side and the coffee handoff must have hand- happened on the the busy street side. So that's why I, we can't really see, and the bridge goes, arches over. So we can't really see over to the far side of the bridge. Um, but on my side, on the neighborhood side, there's buses that are parked blocking the streets. There's a um, ambulance waiting. Um, there are maybe a dozen police cars and certainly many more officers than that and, and probably a police bus or something. The police are, are pretty, they're not wearing riot gear. They're wearing their regular uniforms. Um, they're, they just are divided, they're just, kind of standing, there's a median that runs down the middle of this road and they stand on the median or, and try and get everyone to go, the protesters to go to one side eventually. And then they stand on the median in between people who are pedestrians, a few folks carrying Israeli flags. Um, they're pretty, I'd say, impassive. So what are the signs? Are there any signs with anti-Semitic or hate speech words? Or did you hear chanting that is death to Jews or... What is it like? The chants that I heard were um, free, free Palestine from the river to the sea. Um, A sign that bizarrely said Israel should move to Florida, which makes no sense. It actually kind of (laughs) does. Perhaps. Maybe this time of year. It was really cold Saturday. It was pretty cold and windy. We were all we were all pretty freezing, Um, which I suppose is why they wanted hot coffee on their side. How many protesters were there when you were there, did you think? 40. I'd say about 40. And how many police? So maybe about a dozen or so on the 
on the median, perhaps more. And then there's lots of police sitting in, in cars at either end, taking down the police tape, putting up police tape. So certainly a, a, a good number of, of police officers. So probably be about a, a, an even ratio, all told. Yeah, I, I wouldn't be surprised. And this has gone on for, you know, weeks. Why do you think it's such a considered a Jewish neighborhood? What is there? So there are two synagogues, a reform synagogue, a conservative synagogue that are right accessed by my neighbor right in that area. Um, it's not a exclusively Jewish neighborhood, but it's certainly a pre- predominantly Jewish neighborhood. Um, there's a Chabad on the with a childcare on the far side. There's actually a girls Jewish Orthodox girls school in that neighborhood. So there's certainly a number of institutions just right that you would need to actually drive through this neighborhood to access. And then a little bit farther west, on Bathurst Street, where there is no exit from the highway, is the heart of the Jewish community with yeshivas and schools and everything else. I I would say the mood is that people are so frustrated with the police and every level of political. We are represented by both conservatives and liberals in our riding, uh, federally, provincially, and municipally. Everyone is just so frustrated with every level of elected official um, that this is continuing to go on. And I think people have lost faith with their elected officials. All right, Lila. So we're going to bring in the city councillor for the area, James Pasternak. Welcome to the CJN Daily. Good to be here, Ellen. What are you going to be doing this week to address some of the concerns you have and that the residents of Carsev House have been telling you? This incitement almost always leads to violence. And uh, all the warning signals uh, were there. And uh, sadly, uh, a Jewish-owned store, which has has absolutely nothing to do with Gaza and the conflict in the Middle East, uh, was firebombed with uh, graffiti uh, on the front, uh, Free Palestine. And of course, this is another... Uh, example where people are starting to believe uh, that we live in a lawless city where people can go about doing whatever they want, whenever they want, boycotting businesses, screaming in front of businesses that are Jewish-owned, yelling Zionist boycott, blocking ambulance routes, going on 401 overpasses and creating a dangerous situation, um, storming into shopping malls during the Christmas uh, season. So people seeing this see a city in decline, a city that is, is increasingly lawless, uh, that's out of control, and isn't governed by the rule of law. And that is the greatest danger we have here in Toronto, because we've always been a safe, welcoming city. And, and we're starting to lose that. Specifically, this past weekend, Toronto went viral with the police officer seen to be carrying Tim Hortons to the protesters. When you saw this, what was your reaction? Well, you know, I was shocked because because you have a situation in which uh, these protesters, these angry mobs, are defying police at every opportunity. They're baiting police by continually going back on this 401 crossover. And uh, there has to be barriers between the mob and police. And to see police sort of handing out 
uh, coffee and, and being social, and this is all a fun uh, winter activity, sends the wrong signal. Uh, it, it, was a, it was a terrible image uh, for our police services and, and, and what the community saw. Now, I don't know that officer. I don't know whether the, he was really thinking through the optics. So I want to be somewhat fair to that individual. But, you know, what it did was it broke down barriers between police and the protesters. And what it did was, oh, are you our buddy? Or are you, are you enforcing the law? Are you, like, you know, socializing with us and, and being chum-chum? Or are you keeping, you know, keeping the peace? And it created a very unbalanced, inappropriate um, interaction between people who have been calling for the genocide of Jews and, and officers uh, handing out coffee to them. So the police chief put out a statement on Sunday apologizing for any confusion and the impact that this had, because he said, regardless of intent, the impact was of one of confusion on the community and that he's asked for an immediate review of the command strategies um, and that, you know, they're going to keep keeping the community safe for as long as it takes. And we're doing our best. And we had like he said, there were like 30 protests on Sunday that they had to deal with. What, so, what yeah, do you no. what do you think needs to be done? You're going to meet with him when? So we're meeting Monday night. Uh, we had a, a Jewish uh, community liaison group going for uh, last couple of years, well before October 7th, because this has hit a crisis point. Because uh, there's, there's a feeling uh, that these angry mobs can do whatever they want with no consequences. Now, there was a spike up of arrests in November, and I've been tracking them closely, and that's encouraging. Because what's the rule of law if you have no consequences? We've seen dozens of federal, provincial uh, statutes violated over the last few months, plus dozens of different municipal bylaws violated. If there are no consequences to that, it'll just get worse. Ottawa handed out noise bylaws when they had protests a couple of weeks ago, and it was hefty fines uh, to try to discourage this. And I wonder if you are supportive of such a thing using municipal bylaws if there can't or won't make the, the, the other charges stick. We have a hey rallies policy at the city of Toronto, which gives city staff and police services wide range of options uh, to to stop these kind of uh, angry mobs, uh, trespass orders, noise violations. We can uh, issue uh, tickets. Uh, there seems to be none of this. You know, uh, what Ottawa started doing was was enforcing uh, its noise bylaws, uh, which is low-hanging fruit. And that's an easy way to discourage uh, this kind of flagrant violation of our bylaws. You see, what people have to understand is that often people say, well, what's the point? They're out the next day. The judicial system is weak. Uh, we can't get anywhere with this. So I say, fine. I say, arrest them. Let them spend the night at the police station. Give them a summons to appear at a future court date. There's going to be, either the charge is going to be dismissed. Let them spend a day in court. Let them go hire a lawyer take a day off of work, explain to everybody that they've been charged with an offense, and let's see how they like it. 
we can't just not do anything because the judicial system is weak uh, and they may get off uh, with, uh, you know, with a slap on the wrist or, or, or the charges will be dismissed. Let the police do their work. And, and we have to support police. And I, and I would say in their defense that we have a very under-resourced uh, police service. Uh, with 4,800 officers for a city of 3 million, it is a very small force. And, uh, and, and they have to do the best they can. Do they need a permit to do these demonstrations? And the Jewish community, too. Of course, like there's a big one coming in Nathan Phillips Square. But what about these, these overpass ones or the uh, Young Street yeah. ones, whatever? So there's a gray area. For protests and rallies, uh, you technically don't need a permit, but you have to register with police. I think that's a deeply flawed system, and we have to, we have to fix it. But that protests and rallies doesn't allow you to to block the gardener to jump on the gardener expressway, to block ambulance routes out of hospitals on University Avenue, to deliberately go on a 401 overpass to try and distract drivers to your cause. So wait, so they have to register, but the police don't have to say yes or no. They just have to let them know for information. But there's no, no, you can't. This is no good. Like no one can say no to any protest is what you're saying. As long as they register that it's happening, there's no one to stop it. There's no one to stop it. But but the behavior at those protests is where you can stop it. Once they start breaking a number of different uh, bylaws and blocking blocking vehicles, and um, using amplified noise without a permit, and uh, swarming stores because of the ethnicity or the religion of the owner. These violate... That's that's where you can move. But what about like Idle No More or some of these other, like the truckers? They had injunctions brought down to stop them because it was federally regulated transport, such as the train. Can that not be done by the city to stop? Or is that the federal or OPP that gets injunctions? Well, it's a very good question because Union Station was swarmed uh, at, at one point, which is critical federal infrastructure, rail, subway, M- Metrolinx, go train, and very little was done. And they were told to leave. The swarming of the shopping malls, that's private property. It was trespassing. And, and they could have, they could have uh, issued uh, trespass warning letters or filed trespass charges. The security just chased them out of there. Which is bottom line for the residents of that area, including Lila, okay, and Michael Kersner, and maybe you. I don't know how close you live. I don't live in there, no. Okay. This, so basically you're saying it's going to go on. Uh, we, we are going to explore every opportunity to keep people off those overpasses. We're going to be working through the Ministry of Transportation. We're going to be working through the City of Toronto Municipal Licensing and Transportation Divisions. And that's what I'm going to be working on this week. We have to keep people off those overpasses. It's a deliberate, careless, reckless, dangerous attempt to distract drivers to a cause. And we just can't have that in the city. And joining us now from Toronto is Michael Kersner, the Solicitor General of Ontario. Welcome to the CJN Daily. Hi, Alan. Great to be with you. What do you make of of what has been happening at Avenue Road in Wilson and what do you want done, if anything? What can you do? 
Well, thanks, Ellen. I appreciate being with uh, you and Lila today. Uh, our government's been very clear. Hate has no place in our Ontario. Hate is toxic to our democracy. I've spoken up loudly, as Premier Ford has, as Minister Ford has, as our government and caucus has. And quite honestly, it is unacceptable that any community in Ontario should be subject to intimidation or harassment. So is this intimidation, harassment, hate speech? Or is this free speech? Well, again, Ellen, as uh, as your listeners know, there's different levels of government that have to work together. There's the municipal levels across Ontario. There's the federal government as well. Uh, different levels of government have different jurisdictions. Uh, the role that the provincial government has is to set the tone and to provide the oversight and the legislation uh, for public safety. What are the things that has crossed the line for you? You said toxic. Well, you know, what crosses the line is intimidation and harassment <clears throat> and hate has no place here. So whether we're, whether we're speaking out against uh, the arson attack, which is under investigation at, uh, at the IDF deli on Steeles, part of York Centre, uh, whether it's speaking out against uh, other type of uh, protesters that are offensive and, and hurtful, uh, we, we, we've been very clear on this. Um, it's very important, again, that we understand we do not direct the operations of any police service in Ontario, the OPP, First Nations Police uh, Services, or the Toronto Police Service. And I've got every confidence that the command leadership of Toronto Police uh, will make the best decisions to keep our community safe. Uh, the command centres on Bathurst Street have been proof positive of just how concerned uh, Toronto Police Services are to the Jewish community specifically. Hey, so this incident happened like a block east of where that command center is. What about the fact that it's on a dangerous overpass? I know you're not Minister of Transportation, but uh, my colleague Lila Sauer, she saw smoke bombs in red and uh, people can't even get out of their neighborhood because the police have to block it off because it's not safe. How do these police command posts do anything? I mean, if they're a block away, why is this allowed to happen? What do you want? What do you want done? Well, the purposes of the command posts in part are to provide a presence and an easy way for people to feel that they can engage with the police services. And, and it's proven to be very helpful. I'm, I'm really a frequent visitor myself because I go in to say thank you. But you're quite, uh, you're quite right. We don't want to have any uh, portion of our city cordoned off that they can't have free passage through in and, in and out of their communities. We saw this viral video of this police officer helping to deliver a hot coffee from Tim Hortons across the, the cordon. When you heard about this, what did you think? I personally would not have, uh, have, have done it that way. The protesters have kind of become more sophisticated, which started as a protest down at the U.S. consulate and then uh, moved to the Israeli consulate and what was outside of Sydney Smith Hall at St. George at the U of T have morphed into different things. And I know that uh, Toronto Police Services is continuing to uh, update, you know, their response plans. But, you know, I just want to go back to uh, something that's very important. Hate has no place here. What does this mean? It means that the provincial government 
uh, with the support of Minister Michael Ford's ministry, has provided a substantial amount of money. To, $25 million, uh, we $25 know. $25 million yeah. that is being uh, applied for by many, many Jewish institutions, as an example, to help combat hate. Minister Ford and the Premier and myself have been very active in promoting uh, applying for this grant program, which has been very, very successful. Uh, our government has an absolute zero tolerance on hate. And we've shown it by the motions that we've introduced in the legislature, which called the attack on October the 7th a terrorist attack on a democratic country. We also passed a second motion to censor a member of the legislature. So our government, our government has been acting. And Holocaust education, you forgot about that, expanding Holocaust education. We know that's bigger things, but in terms of... In well, terms the Holocaust of... education and the support of the Toronto Holocaust Museum. But Correct. really, really, Ellen, it is setting a tone. Understood, we, and I appreciate but, but that. Must... I'm gonna, no, I got to interrupt you there, because you, you've said it a couple of times, I've, and I appreciate that, but I, I want to know what your your constituents are telling you, because... Like you said, hate has no place. We set the tone. But meanwhile, they can't get across a bridge. Police are delivering hot coffee to protesters that are saying anti-Israeli and anti-Jewish things in Jewish neighborhoods, which you called yourself toxic. So as this MPP for that area, it, it, there's a disconnect between, I'm sorry, between what you're saying and what's on the ground, you know, tachlis. Well, what I'm saying is I find it unacceptable. I find the intimidation unacceptable. I find the the concerns of the residents uh, of uh, Armour Heights uh, very, very serious. And I also have been very responsive to speaking to our residents, to listening to them, and to reminding them, Ellen, that my wife and I and our kids live there as well. So it's not like we're speaking without understanding where this is taking place. We have to have confidence in our police command leadership and the Toronto Police Service to have a response plan evolve that will ensure we have community safety. I have that confidence. And in part, Ellen, and you've touched on it earlier, I'll be speaking today with the Big 12 police chiefs and command leaders from across the province so that we understand the nature of the type of protests in different cities across Ontario, that we understand what are the best practices that they have developed to provide the response and how the police services, Ellen, have been working collaboratively with the local municipal uh, with local municipal bylaw enforcement people as an example. So by calling together this, I'll be traveling also, Ellen, in a week across Ontario to have further conversations on, on, uh, on the rise of, uh, of hate and, and, and what is being done by the local uh, police services on it. So, you know, my eyes are wide open. I am very, very concerned by it. Our premier is concerned by it. Okay, so if you don't have any direct day-to-day -day operational influence, as you said, on the police in Toronto or York Region, but in the meantime, how long are the community members, including you and your family, supposed to put up with this? Well, again, I don't want anybody living in fear in their community, but I believe this is an evolving uh, story. It's not just what people see. There's a lot that goes on behind the scenes. It is a very sophisticated network of public safety professionals. And I've got confidence in them to come up with a plan and a strategy that will ensure 
that it's not only that they say we should feel safe, but that we, we, we will be feeling safe and that we are feeling safe. We are not living in a vacuum. There is a tremendous amount of dialogue that takes place absolutely every day. And our government has been clear. I'll say it again. We will not tolerate hate in our communities. It is toxic and no community should feel intimidated to go about their lives, to take up their, take their kids to school, which they will do today, Ellen. Today's Monday. They're going to do it today to see them back home safely, to play and to pray. And nobody should feel that those rights have been taken away from them. And that's what Jewish Canada sounds like for this episode of the CJN Daily, sponsored by Metropia. Integrity, community, quality, and customer care. We'll end the show talking a little bit about what Lila mentioned earlier, which is that every Sunday at Bathurst and Shepherd, just a short distance away from the overpass, a small group of Jewish people come out holding Israeli flags and stage a peaceful rally. And on Sunday, there was a larger one with a car parade of maybe 80 cars joining them. We'll have the audio for you to end the show. But in the meantime, why not write to us? Let me know what you think should be done and what's happening where you live across Canada. I'm at ebessner at thecjn.ca. Thanks for listening to the CJN Daily. How could you love Israel? How could you love peace? I'm Yisrael Chai. I'm Chai. Thank you.